0: City. It is good to see you this morning. Let's look at each other and say Merry Christmas. And say it like you mean it. Merry Christmas. There you go, And Happy New Year. That's good. We are glad to welcome you here to Capital City this morning. Whether you're worshiping here or whether you're worshiping online, And if you're worshiping online, we want to say thank you for spending part of your day with us. And we are glad you're here. If this is your first time here, please fill out a connection card. And in the table in the back, uh, we have a special gift for you. We'll remind you of that as the service uh, comes to a close. It is really a privilege today to have a personal friend of mine. Uh, a guy who grew up in Southern Ohio and some of you may have heard of nipshin Camp Meeting and uh, he calls himself, and, uh, and others do as well, a nipshin brat, and, uh, but he has left not only Southern Ohio, he's gone to uh, California and has worked with great churches across America and is now pastoring a church in Scottsdale, Arizona. He is here visiting his family and it's been just a joy uh, to have him with us. Dr. David Harris, would you stand and let's give him a capital city welcome. He's going to be delivering the message for us today. And I just wanna say, on the second song of our worship Uh, We would invite you to come to what we call Family Altar. And with that, you can come and, and pray with either one of our pastors or one of our leaders. But I want to share something with you this morning for those of you that are familiar with Capital City. That we have received news just yesterday that one of the key leaders in our church, Malcolm White, has been diagnosed with a rare form of cancer. They're not sure exactly um, what it all is going to mean. They're not sure what's going to take place. But if some of you would like to come and just represent Malcolm as we pray, uh, you are more than welcome to do that. So, let's stand together today and as the verse of the day in our version reading says this come everyone clap your hands shout to God with joyful praise and that's Psalm 41one let let's do it together give God a great shout of praise and a great clap of worship as we begin and let's worship God together
1: that was the propitiation for our sins. I pray, God, that um, you would be with the speaker as he brings us a message and tune our hearts to hear what you would have to say. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you for joining us at Capital City Church. Please refer to our bulletin and fill out the connection card inside with your contact information, prayer requests, and praises, and then drop it in the offering as the ushers are going by. We look forward to communicating with you.
2: December 19th will be Christmas Sunday. Invite your friends and family for this special day. That same evening at 7 p.m., we will have a candlelight service and a live nativity scene.
1: Also, on this same day, we will take a love offering to support our missionaries around the globe. Please prayerfully consider giving towards this important cause.
2: On December 22nd, we will have a communion service at 7 p.m. Join us for this special time of celebration.
1: Thank you for supporting the ministries of Cap City Church. You can give online or by check or cash. See the back of the bulletin for more details.
2: May God bless you and thank you for joining us today at Cap City Church. Please welcome, Dr. David Harris. Good morning, Capital City. Are you guys as glad to be here as I am? Hey, and now those of you who are joining us online, would you just type in something down in the comment section? Let our online host know that you're with us and that you're having a phenomenal experience wherever you're enjoying this celebration today, as we are here in the room. And with those of you in the room, give a big welcome to those of us joining us online. We're glad that you're here. So obviously, we're in the midst of the Christmas season, and I just kind of want to know who I'm talking with this morning. This has absolutely nothing spiritual about it. How many of you would be honest enough to say that you went out on Black Friday and got caught up in the craziness? A few of you, a small handful of you, it, it's, a, it's a nuts kind of time right now, right? Some of you didn't go for that very reason because it's just absolutely stupid out there. And we can get caught, you know, we get tangled in the tinsel and all that stuff's going on. But have you ever, have you ever thought about what's going on in our world and what's going on at Christmas and how we're doing it? For instance, how many of you in this room would admit that you already have all of your Christmas gifts purchased? A few of you? Okay, of those of you with your hands raised, how many of you would say, not only do I have all of my gifts purchased, I've got all of them wrapped? Oh, you're disgusting. <laughs> how many of you say, well, I've got just a few more things to buy? A few of you going, how many of you say, well, I've got a few more things to wrap? How many of you going, David, are you absolutely out of your mind? I haven't even started yet. See, look, guys, every one of them, men, and it's, it's crazy. Culturally, have you ever thought about how dumb we are? I mean, think about it. Here's what we do at Christmas. We say, we're going to go out, and we're going to buy presents for everyone we know. And then for people, the rest of the people, we're going to write cards or letters and send them to either snail mail or email, right? And then we say, you know what else we're going to do? Just for the next couple of weeks, we're going to redecorate our entire house inside and out, And then we're going to come back and undecorate it all over again. And then we say, you know what else? We got a little extra time on our hands. Let's bake every cookie recipe we've ever found. And since we're at it, we might as well go ahead and consume 10 times the normal amount of calories that we would typically eat. Then we come to church, and say, you know what we're going to do? At church, we're going to plan every significant event for every age group in these last three weeks of the year, and we're going to invite the entire church to all of them, right? And then we get all caught up, and we're doing those kinds of things, and then Hollywood gets involved, and Hollywood says, you know what would be a great idea? Let's unleash, uh, let's release all the best movies the week of Christmas, and then some brilliant person sitting in the capitol building said you know what else we ought to do let's let all the kids out of school for the entire season you know parents you know what i'm talking about it's chaotic we got any moms and dads in here well i bet you can identify with this video check it out this man right here is my great grandfather he's the first cat herder in our family herding cats don't let anybody tell you it's easy Anybody can herd cattle,
0: holding together 10,000 half-wild shorthairs. Well, that's another thing altogether. Being a cat herder is probably about the toughest thing I think I've ever done. I got this one this morning, right here. And if you look at his face,
1: it's just ripped to shreds, you know? You see the movies, you hear the stories, it's... I'm living a dream. Not everyone can do what we do. I wouldn't do nothing else. It ain't an easy job, but when you bring a herd into town and you ain't lost a one of them, ain't a feeling like it in the world.
2: How many of you can relate? Well, you know, we're making a little bit of fun of the Christmas season. Obviously, that's a fun video. But when you look around American culture today, there is a lot of chaos. And in the midst of that chaos, there's a lot of ugliness. There are a lot of struggles. For instance, if you've been paying attention to the news whatsoever over the last couple of weeks, you know that there was another school shooting in Michigan and kids lost their lives. You know that in multiple plazas throughout New York City this time of year, there was a group of people who went and started burning down Christmas trees you know that uh, a few weeks ago there was a holiday celebration parade going on and someone drove into that parade and with their vehicle killed numbers of people? And I don't know if this has made it to the East Coast yet, but I live on the West Coast. And do you guys know what a flash mob is? Usually it's about dancing and fun. Well, there are flash mobs that are now gathering outside of Nordstrom department stores and breaking down the doors, going in and looting and robbing them. They're in and out about 150 to 200 people robbing Nordstrom stores all up and down the West Coast. Would you agree there's some chaos? And there's some struggle? Now, the good news is We're not the only culture, we're not the only society who has ever had to deal with chaos and ugliness and brokenness. You see, 2,000 years ago, life was getting pretty out of hand. There were warring empires where nation fought against nation, government against government, state against state, city against city, tribe against tribe. There was all kinds of religious chaos going on. You had Judaism and you had Gnosticism and then you had a god or goddess for every walk of life. You had a god or goddess of fertility, a god or goddess of sex, a god or goddess of the weather, a god or goddess of war, a god or goddess of agriculture. And you could go on out almost into infinity naming the gods and goddesses and the plurality of religious chaos that was taking place. There was incredible devaluing of life taking place in those days. You know, today we talk about some of the things that are going on on the global scale with human trafficking and all the the difference and then the ugliness that's been going on with our our political division and our our racial tensions and the, the cultural divide that's happening and the ongoing struggle with the pandemic. Back then, they had all of that going on in spades. They devalued life. They used to have men kill each other for sport in the arenas and they called them gladiators. They would go out and they would take over a city or a government or a tribe of whomever war- whoever they had been warring against, and then they would bring that entire nation under their direction and they would enslave an entire people group, an entire population. And it's ugly and it's painful. And God's looking down on his prized creation, humankind, that Genesis teaches that God reached down and he formed in his very own image and called mankind very good. And now there's all the and all the brokenness and all the struggle and heartache and disappointment. And God looks across humankind and decides he has to do something to get our attention so that he can speak all of who he is into the world. And God did it in very, very hushed tones at just the right time. In fact, the Bible teaches us that exactly if you've got your worship folders and are following along. In Galatians chapter 4, we would read these words. But when the right time came... God sent his son, born of woman, subject to the law. And God sent him to buy the freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own, talk to me, as his very own children. You see, when God wanted to speak all of the things that we proclaim to humankind at Christmas, God sent his son into the world So that we could be redeemed through him. And I know that we're celebrating what's called the most wonderful time of the year. But I want to give you just a little bit of David Harris insight for what it's worth to you. Jesus wasn't born so you and I could have Christmas. Jesus was born so we could have Easter. But God had to speak into the world at this time. And he did so in in, in kind of a quiet ways. And he he did so using cues that caught everybody, even to this day, a little bit off guard. Have you ever noticed that sometimes when people want to get our attention, they use certain words or certain phrases that give us certain cues? For instance, we have these students in here, anybody in school, college, high school, elementary school, whatever, a few of you? you. You know, you can sit in class all semester and zone out, but when you hear the teacher say, this is going to be on the final," You pay attention, right? You take a note. If you haven't paid attention all semester, all of a sudden you're listening. Why? Because it's really important. When I was a little kid running around the the streets of Chillicothe, I'd be down in the basement playing sometimes and my mom or dad would stand at the top of our basement steps and they'd yell down in that basement, David Clark! And I knew by the tone of their voice and the fact that they used my middle name. It was either really important or more than likely, I was in real trouble. But it got my attention. Some of you in this room are old enough to remember you'd be watching television and you hear that voice say we interrupt your regularly scheduled program. Today they just send a ticker in bright red that says breaking news. Or you'll get uh, an alert on your phone that will scream and annoy the snot out of you at two in the morning and wake you up because there is something going on. You can be driving down the highway and it says amber alert. And it's a cue that gets our attention. If you've ever flown on an airplane, you know that when the captain goes, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking, usually if the captain speaks, it's important because he's a pretty important part of the flight. Would you agree? And you want to pay attention because he probably has something important to say or he wouldn't waste your time. But I want to be honest with you. I travel quite a bit, and right here I get really confused because I am convinced that they design the sound systems on airplanes so that as soon as he says those words, you can't understand another word he says. A few years ago, I was flying to Florida to speak at a revival. There was a hurricane going on out in the Gulf, but they figured at 30,000 feet, we would be just fine. They were wrong. We're up there, we're getting tossed around like the SS Minnow. The captain comes on the intercom and says, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. And he a... Turbulence, Uh, 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 ocean, Uh, 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 so sorry. (laughs) But he had our attention. And that's what Christmas is. Christmas is God saying to all of humankind, now hear this. This is going to be on the final. And the birth of his son took place in a manger long, long ago at just the right time. Now part of the problem in American culture today is there is an ongoing and developing lack of understanding, a certain ignorance if you will, of who Jesus Christ really is. I saw this in the most humorous way a few years ago. There was a pretty decent sized church in Minnesota and kind of like I joked earlier, they had everything jammed into the month of December, not unlike what you guys are doing over the next couple of weeks by the way. And they were in the week of Christmas, and they had things going on. They were gearing up to their big Christmas Eve service. And they had two ladies who were longtime members and servants within that fellowship die on the same day, the week of Christmas. And they had to find a way to do two funerals. So the one family comes in, and they put together a really, really nice order of service with some beautiful liturgy, and they typed it all into their computers and did it all, and the service went incredibly well. The family was comforted. They felt good about the moment. Uh, Jesus was honored. The family was honored. Everything went so well that when it came time to do the service for the second lady, the first lady's name was Mary, and they had just an incredible experience. The second lady's name was Edna and their family comes in and things are going so well but they were also tight on time that what they did is they said, you know what, that first service went so great. They just went into their computer and they told their computer, wherever you see the word Mary, replace it with the word Edna. And things were going along fantastic just like it had the first time until they came a point in their funeral liturgy where they would use the Apostles' Creed to affirm the faith of the family and the people. Don't get ahead of me. It's really good. (laughs) Online, you still with me? And in the Apostles' Creed, for those of you who may not be readily familiar with it, it says, we believe in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth, and then it goes on, and we believe in Jesus Christ the Savior, born of the virgin Edna, You know, Edna, Mary, maybe it's a Minnesota thing, I don't know. But there is this readily growing misunderstanding of who Jesus is and what he wants to do. And Jesus Christ is God saying to the world, now hear this. This is going to be on the final. Be aware and be awake of all that I have prepared for you but sometimes we miss it because a lot of the people back then missed it because what you had was you had this obscure, helpless little baby born in a barn in a far corner of the earth in a podunk little village, and a good bit of the world missed it. And the question that was asked then And I think maybe some of the question that's being asked now in the misunderstanding and ignorance of who Jesus is, is why, God? Why did you come so quietly? Why did you come so meekly? A lot of people are missing it. Why God didn't you come roaring out of heaven with bright lights and amber alerts flashing and things going across the bottom of our celebration and screens saying, "Now hear this. Why God didn't you come out screaming with all of your glory and all of your majesty and all of your splendor? A lot of people are still missing it." And God's answer is this: when I whispered hope and joy in love and forgiveness to all of humankind, I wanted to give you the option to choose for yourself whether or not you would receive it. A few years ago, actually about 100 years ago, I graduated from then Circleville Bible College. Y'all aren't very kind. Now Ohio Christian University. And my first job right out of college is I was the uh, probation officer in the juvenile court system in Chillicothe. And the way it worked, when an allegation or a charge would come in against some uh, teenager, uh, the the clerk of courts would send it upstairs and it would come to myself or one of the other officers. And then we would go out, we would investigate the case, we'd take a little bit of time, we'd put a report together. And then when the court day would come, I'd go back in chambers and meet with the judge or the court referee and walk them through what my findings were. And uh, we would kind of just figure it all out back there. Now, most of the time, the judge never came into the courtroom. He was busy doing judge things. The court referee would come in and handle all of the cases in the courtroom. But my, I hadn't been there but about a month, and it was my first time in the courtroom when the judge actually came in to hear the case. And we're sitting there, and, and usually what, what protocol would be is the referee or the judge would say, Mr. Prosecutor, would you state the case? And they would state the case. And Mr. Defense Attorney, do you or the de- family or have anybody to say in defense of the child? And they would give that. And then they would look over at me and they'd say, Mr. Harris, do you have any recommendation to this court? And I'd tell them the same thing I told them 10 minutes ago in, in, in chambers. It became like a law in the life of that kid. It was really cool. But the judge came into this courtroom that one day. And we're all sitting there and the judge sits down in his robe and all the circumstance. And he says, Mr. Prosecutor, do you have anything to say about this case? Uh, Mr. Defense Attorney, do you have anything? Mr. Harris. I couldn't figure it out, so court's dismissed. I walked back in the chambers. I said, Judge, you sick? He said, No, I'm not sick. Why? I said, I could barely hear you in there. He goes, Oh, I do that on purpose. I said, How come? He said, David, if I talk out loud, everybody can hear what I have to say, but when I whisper, they have to choose to listen. A few years ago, I had a really great privilege. I was on tour with a... Uh, kind of a popular Christian recording artist, he would come out and do a set. I would speak during the intermission, and he'd come back and do the second set. And one of the first times we were out there, the place had been going nuts. He did a great first set, and they introduced me, and I walk up there, and people are still just out there talking and laughing and doing all that, not paying a bit of attention. The MC couldn't get their attention, couldn't get there to stop. He did that clear his throat thing. Didn't work. He tapped on the mic and blew into it, like David did at the start of service. It didn't work. Finally, he just looked at me and said, go ahead. And I walked up there, and I looked, and I thought for a second, and then I just leaned into the mic, and I went, shh, shh. You see, if I would to come out and just tried to scream over top of everybody, I was just one more voice in the sea of chaos. But the still small voice in the midst of chaos gets people's attention. When I was doing some postgraduate work, I had uh, one of the great men in all of Christianity was a uh, professional Christian counselor by the name of Frank Freed. And Frank was just this amazing counselor. Uh, he, he just had a way with people. He had just this something about him that just made you want to uh, open yourself to him and allow him to pour himself into you. And Frank Freed had a really interesting story. Frank married his sweetheart when they were in their 20s and they had been married just a couple of years, and they were, decided to do a vacation together before they had children because both of them loved history. And so they were doing a vacation where they were touring all the Old West ghost towns in California and Nevada. And they, had, they were about halfway through their tour, and they came into one of the ghost towns, and they were doing the touristy thing, and they went into the saloon. And of course, all of these ghost towns would turn the saloon into like a little restaurant for the tourists to go in and get something to eat and something to drink, And they went in there, and they were talking about their favorite story so far with about half their trip over. And they had a great meal, Frank says. And Frank says they paid the bill, and they stood up, and they walked outside the the saloon. And as they stepped onto the sidewalks, Frank said his wife just literally dropped dead right there. And Frank said he was absolutely devastated. So much so that he never dated or remarried for decades. Frank said, and then he was in his 60s. He was at a fellowship dinner at his church. As he was standing in line, he started having a conversation with the lady standing there next to him and learned that she was also a widower, and they just started sharing that conversation. They got their food. They shared a table. They shared the meal. The conversation went so well, Frank said, well, would you like to continue this conversation sometime over dinner? She said, sure. They scheduled dinner. Dinner turned into a date. Date turned into relationship. And in their mid-60s, Frank said, they'd come home from having a dinner date one night. They walked into her residence, and she said, Frank, sit down on the sofa. I need to talk to you for a minute. Frank said, I sat down and looked at her and said, what's going on? And she said, Frank, I need to tell you something about me that you do not know. And Frank said, what's that? And she said, Frank, I am a multi, multi multi-multi-millionaire. And Frank said, you've got to be kidding me. Why didn't you tell me that? I, I didn't know any of that about you. And she said, Frank, I know. But I wanted to take our time and allow you to get to know me for me because, Frank, I was afraid if you knew how many millions I really had, you were such a man of character, such a man of integrity, that it would scare you away. And when God looked down on struggling mankind, and he saw the chaos, and he saw the warring, and he saw the devaluing of life, and he saw the brokenness of the first century, and he looked into the 21st century, and he saw the chaos, and he saw the brokenness, and he saw the devaluing of life and property. God was concerned that if he came roaring out of heaven with bright lights and neon flashing and amber alerts coming across our phone, that he would scare us to death. So God came as a mild baby born in a manger in a podent little village so you and I could choose to listen for ourselves. Now, we're in what's called the Advent season, correct? It's kind of the Christmas thing, the good news thing. And there are a lot of terms that get thrown around during the Advent season. You hear them in Christmas carols. You sing them in Christmas hymns. You find them in the narrative of the Christian story. Uh, some of you know some of those terms. Just shout a couple of them out at me. Make sure we're all on the same page here. Does your pastor not preach the Bible to you? Okay, so I'm going to give you a hint. If you pull out your worship folders, there's the first letter of a few of them. Let me toss a couple of them at you. Tell me if you can uh, relate to them. It's up on the screen as well. The M stands for mercy. We hear that word a lot at Christmas, right? How about love? Do we hear love a lot? Uh, Go ahead and pop them all up there for me, would you? You hear joy? We're going to talk about that in a minute. Peace? Peace? Prince of Peace, peace on earth, let it begin with me, the whole nine yards. Hope, David talked about hope quite a bit last week, and didn't he do an amazing job unleashing hope for us, unwrapping that? Would you say thank you to him? Thank you, David. We hear about faith a lot. We hear this word a lot around Christmas time glory. See, we have all these things, all of these terms, they get tossed around at Christmas. Now, you know what's interesting about those? Some of those words we look at and we attach a certain uh, emotion to them. Things like uh, love and mercy and peace. And we think about how Jesus has mercy on all of us and Jesus is God incarnate. And God, by his very nature, his very character is love. It's just not an emotion. It's the essence of who he is. And we talk about uh, peace. David talked about hope. But when you begin to break all this down, do you know what I've come to understand about these words that we talk about at Christmas? They're not just uh, a, a, a human emotion or a state of being. When you look at those words, those words are all the embodiment of the personal identity of Jesus Christ. And then when we buy in and listen to ourselves and invite him into our lives... Those things that are the embodiment of him become part of the embodiment of our life even here on earth. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And so we can't do every word. Last week David talked about uh, hope. Today I want to focus on that word joy. See, joy is a word that has a, a, an awful lot of misunderstanding uh, at this time of year, but also it has the carryover effect for the rest of the year and how we relate to it and what joy actually does in our lives. And in your worship folder, there's a little thing that says key thought. And here's what I want you to understand about joy. Joy is all about your attitude in the face of your circumstances. See, you can have good circumstances or you can have bad circumstances. And going through life, we have both. Is that fair? We have good days. We have bad hair days. We have days when the kids need braces and there's traffic on 23 or 270. And we have some adverse circumstances. You can have a boss that gets mad. You've got a marriage that's going through a time of struggle. You've got children who are going through a time of rebellion. We go through all these things and that's just out there. And then you come inside the church and we have other circumstances, right? good and bad at times, depending on the seasons of life. And joy is all about the attitude that we share in the midst of those circumstances. But I want you to know two specific things about joy that are very, very pertinent to today's conversation as it relates to the Christmas message. Joy focuses on, or happiness focuses on our externals, but joy focuses on the internal. See, happiness is all about the things that go on in life, most of which we can't control. They are circumstances beyond our control, and they can be circumstances that make us happy, that make us laugh. They can be circumstances that can actually break us and bring us to our knees. And on the good days, you have happiness. On the bad days, you don't have so much happiness. But as a follower of Jesus, when you listen to who he is and you accept his identity as your identity... Joy is something that flows from the inside out, and it transcends our circumstances. That doesn't mean you have to feel great. That doesn't mean that you have to fake a smile and pretend that you're not going through a hard time, that you're not experiencing some adversity. That doesn't mean, you know, you, you come walking in and say, oh, bless God, my kid ran off last night. Well, depending on the kid, but you know what I mean. It doesn't mean you walk in and say, oh, man, today's the best day of my life. I got fired. No, that's not, that's not joy. That's just plain old stupidity. But joy is the understanding that Jesus is with us constantly, regardless of the circumstances flowing from the inside out. I'll tell you something else about joy. Joy and happiness are distinct. Happiness focuses on what's happening in the present Joy is perpetually focused on what's happening in the future. See, your present circumstances can be good or bad, and that can change by the hour in some of our lives. But the hope that David talked to us about last week, that's the hope of a future, and joy is wrapped up in that. And I'll tell you something else. This isn't in your notes. But when you look at happiness as being external and joy as being internal, in that understanding, joy feeds our faith. And then when you think about happiness, uh, looking at the present, and joy looking in the future, there's where joy feeds our hope. And the world was going through a lot of this stuff, and it didn't end when Jesus died on the cross. In fact, to some degree, it got a little bit worse, especially for people who are part of this new group of, of believers called the way, or the movement. And the apostle Paul, who wrote that uh, verse back a little bit ago from Galatians chapter 4, speaks into the human condition in romans chapter 15 and here's what paul would say in romans chapter 15 he says and then isaiah says there shall be a root of jesse and he who shall rise to reign over the gentiles in him the gentiles shall hope and then here it is may the god of hope fill you with what talk to me and do you hear both those words at christmas joy and peace in your that by the power of the holy spirit on your good days you can have radiant hope No, by the power of the holy spirit talk to me what's the bible say say it again look at the person next to you and say your whole life by the power of the holy spirit your whole life and outlook may be radiant with hope but here's the key where it finishes that saying radiant with hope, you don't get to radiant hope unless your life is already filled with joy. And when I talk about happiness being external and joy being internal, when something is full, can you put any more into it? Once something is full, that's it, right? And then depending upon the strength of the vessel from the inside out, You can go ahead and have a life of peace, a life filled with hope, or you can actually be crushed if you're not doing it right. I need a volunteer, somebody who's got a little bit of muscle, a little bit of strength. Okay, David, come on up. I've got two soda cans. This one has a hole in it meaning it can be emptied or it can be leaked. And so, David, I want to see if you can crush that can. Go ahead and do it. Okay. It's empty. It wasn't full. The external pressure squeezed out whatever was on the inside. You tracking with me? This one is full. It's never been opened. David, do the same with this one. Use both hands if you need to. No, don't open it.
0: Sorry, I can't.
2: Would you thank David for helping me out? See, now you know why Connie married him all those years ago. This one is full. No matter how much pressure I apply externally, I can't pop this can. This one had a hole in it, this one was not filled, as the scripture says. And ladies and gentlemen, in the same kind of way in your life and mine, when we are filled with joy and filled with peace, no matter if you're having a bad circumstance day and happiness evades you, joy and peace can, be, can sustain you from the inside out. Because that's what God's calling us to. Now here's the beautiful thing about this. Because these are the embodiments of Jesus Christ, kind of like his forgiveness, they're absolutely available and free to us, and God wants to do this in our lives. And then you know what God, else God wants to do? That's God giving us a gift of joy that gives us sustaining power in the midst of circumstances, even the ones we don't like. But then God doesn't want us to keep it to ourselves because we're already full, but God's still got more to give. God wants it to be a gift given to someone else. You know, I told you a little bit ago that I had the privilege a couple years ago of traveling with a Christian artist and doing some things. What was really interesting is this guy was actually a worship pastor at the church where I was one of the teaching pastors. And uh, people liked him. They liked his music, thought he had some talent, thought he was a good musician, a good vocalist. And so what they said is, you know what, you're really good. You ought to to like record a CD and see if anybody would like it. And so he went, and it was about heading into the fall. So he recorded, in a little studio down in his basement, he recorded a Christmas CD. They gave a bunch of them out at our church, and the people liked them, and some other churches called, and they said, well, you know what you ought to do is you ought to put together a little bit of a tour. So he put together a tour of about a dozen churches, and that was the tour I joined him on, and, and people seemed to really like his music, and they would applaud, and we think he has a future. His name's Lincoln Brewster. And um, this was that CD that we did on that tour, and I've got it here as a gift to anybody who wants it. It's yours. It's yours. It's a gift. It's yours. When God offers the gift of joy or the gift of forgiveness, all you have to do is accept it. This is my gift to do. All you have to do is accept it. Who wants it? Anybody want it? It's yours. All you have to do is accept it. Thank you. There you go. You're very welcome. Would you say thank you to her? And that's how joy and peace and ultimately the forgiveness of God that comes through the love of God that we sing about this time of year so much. You know, there's one other word that we hear tossed around a lot this time of year. It's found in uh, the Gospel of John chapter one and it reads like this. And it said, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace grace. And truth, Now, what's the operative Christmas term that we hear so much in that verse? Talk to me. Glory, right? Now, we have several definitions of glory. Anybody here ever been to Mount of Praise Camp Meeting back in the day on Ohio Street? Right? And you know those services? There'd be like 5,000 people there and shouting and singing and all that stuff. And you'd hear somebody say, well, the glory of God was upon us. That's a word that we kind of misuse in a moment like that. Uh, that was the goodness of God. That was actually the joy of God. But you know what glory is? Glory is actually more meaningful than that. There's a definition of glory in your worship folder, and it's this. Here's a definition of glory. Glory is God loving humankind so much that he became one of us so he could identify with who we are. That's why God said I'm going to allow Jesus to come into the world so I can get your attention, give you a cue and a clue about who I am and who, what you can become, but so that I can help bring my love and my forgiveness and my joy and my peace and my hope and my faith to you. I'm going to walk among you for a while. I'm going to wear your skin. I'm going to wear your robes. I'm going to die a real death. I want to know the brokenness and the pain and the disappointment. I want to see firsthand in human, human form the ugliness and the chaos. And and the disappointment and the sadness and the circumstances that are so overwhelming. And then I'm going to allow my son to redeem that and I'm going to walk with you while you go through it. Several years ago, there was an Olympic athlete from Great Britain who was considered at that era the greatest sprinter of the time and he had had a lot of significant victories but also had an injury or two and finally he seemed to have overcome the injuries he was winning again the whole world was watching him when he lined up to do the 400 meters in the 1992 barcelona olympics and everybody knew Derek redmond was the man to beat and he had great things in front of him and here's what happened watch the screen
0: Derek redmond in the best form he's shown since he broke the british record has got uh, Redmond to aim at, and so too in lane number three is Steve Lewis, but Redmond's got off very fast indeed, and so too is Ismail of Qatar down the back straight, he's the fractional leader, fighter of Nigeria, has gone very quickly, and Redmond has broken down, he's on the track, kneeling down, and Derek Redmond, on his injury problem, the jinx has struck again.
1: He had to finish, and I was there to help him finish. I intended to go over the line with him. We started uh, his career together. I think we should finish it together.
2: Of course, if you haven't figured it out by now, that's his dad. We saw his son break down. Saw the circumstances shatter, his dreams and his hopes and everything he had worked so hard for. His dad said, no, son of mine is going to lay there broken. i want to walk with him across the finish line. And folks, that's what Christmas is. Christmas is our father up in the stands of heaven watching you and watching me. Knowing that we have hopes and we have aspirations. But sometimes we get tangled up in the circumstances of life. And we go through brokenness. And we go through heartache. We go through cancer. We go through job loss. We go through rebellious teenage children. We go through marital times of rockiness and hopelessness. And sometimes we feel like helplessness. And Christmas is God looking at you and looking at me and all of humankind and understanding because he had human skin on That that's why Jesus came in the form of you and me in the embodiment of God incarnate as we would say. And as we're going through life and we have that speed bump and we break down, he's going, hey, we started this together. My job is to get you across the finish line. I know you couldn't do it yourself. I sent my son to get you there so I could live eternally with you. without a lot of fanfare this morning, if we're going to be really honest, some of us in this room are dealing with some circumstances beyond our ability to cope if we're going to be fair. And whether it's a medical thing, a financial thing, a family thing, a vocational thing, some of you are limping right now and you're hurting. And you're, David, I want that joy, but right now, I can't even get happiness. The external is crushing me and I need to be refilled internally without a lot of fanfare if you want to identify with the person of Jesus Christ and be filled from the inside out so your father will walk with you from this day forward even if your circumstances never change would you just get out of your seat and come and pray right now and we'll have some people gather and pray with you we're not going to make a big fanfare but some of you need to pray this morning because this is you There's no shame in your game. We're all in this together. And for those of you who are watching online, if you need some prayer, would you just put the little prayer emoji in there and we'll have some folks gather with you vicariously speaking online and pray with you. Come on, church. Joy. Brokenness. Your choice. The lyrics of this song, God with us. That's what Emmanuel is. God with us. God coming out of the stands of heaven, becoming one of us so he could identify with who we are. And in our times of brokenness, in our times of heartache, you bring us hope. You have mercy on us. You give us strength and you fill us with joy from the inside out when happiness is elusive. In times of sinfulness, you come and you overwhelm us with your love. And you give us your son, Jesus, full of grace and full of truth, who has mercy on our souls. And he exchanges all of the goodness in him for all the ugliness in his, because he has identified with he, who he, we are, and now we can identify with who he is. He's the giver of life, and the provider of life eternal all of our days even those seasons when we're limping around the track and we don't seem we're going to get to the finish line you walk with us you put your arm around us you hold us up and you remind us that we never have to do it on our own you remind us that you are there and you're not going anywhere and when we get healthy you remind us that you want to share the joy with us and if we get broken again you're going to be holding us up all the way across the finish line because we started this endeavor together and your plan is for us to finish it together. And so God, we thank you for your goodness, your loving kindness, your mercy and your hope. We thank you for your joy. We thank you for your abiding faithfulness. And we thank you, God, during this Christmas season for whispering a cue to us and getting our attention that this life isn't all there is that there's a life eternal and the key to it all is found in the person of your son Jesus the Christ not the one who was born to be king but the one who came to be savior not the one who was born so we could have Christmas but the one who came so we could have Easter so God we honor you and we worship him and we bless your name all these things we pray for Jesus sake and everybody said thanks folks appreciate your time
0: Let's give God praise for hearing God's word this morning. Thank you, David, our good friend. Thank you for coming to share with us the beautiful, beautiful news of God's love and joy. We're gonna prepare to take the offering, but just before our ushers come, I I wanna mention a couple things to you that next week you don't want to miss next week next week is going to be our christmas celebration and some of you i have heard enjoy the violin and some of you don't know that olivia plays the cello and some of you don't know that tom mckay plays the trumpet. And next Sunday is just going to be a phenomenal day. Let's give God fame her praise. You need to bring everybody you can. Next Sunday is going to be a wonderful, wonderful day and then at night and I take responsibility for this Mr. Scott that uh, evidently uh, i have said to you it's seven o'clock but really it's at six o'clock on sunday night and seven o'clock on wednesday night will you say that with me six o'clock six o'clock on sunday night seven o'clock on wednesday night and uh we're going to have the live nativity mary and joseph and we're going to have some animals that are going to be there just for the evening And we're going to have a service out by the Live Nativity. It's going to be a great, great day. One other thing that has been my desire, and it has been one of the strongest desires of my heart, and that is to bring some of the best and brightest people that I know to serve and to help us on our staff. I think we have wonderful staff. I I just am amazed at how, yeah, give them a hand. We have a wonderful staff, Pastor Deb, and Tom, and Eric, and Angie, and Catty, and Norman, and Elizabeth, and all the people that God has given us on staff. But we get to add one more today. And she is here, and I'd like to ask Kayla Wolf, Kayla, will you come? And some of you may know Kayla. I'm so happy you're here first of all you may know Kayla as the young lady who hangs around with this guy back here and uh, a lot and uh, (laughs) she is a graduate of Ohio Christian University graduated early she then has her master's degree from Columbia International University and graduated early And she just returned from being in the Walt Disney University in Walt Disney World in Florida. And she is going to come to be our communications director for social media. And I think we ought to just give her a hand. Kayla, we need help. We are so proud that God is giving us these wonderful young people that are coming to help us and lead us and direct us. All right, ushers, will you take your place, please, while others are, are still praying, and let's be uh, mindful as they're praying. No hurry, no hurry. Just pray as, as, as until you're finished. But ushers, are you ready? Now, I want you to do two things. Take your connection card and please take your connection card I'm going to wait just a moment and fill it out if you made a decision today to follow Christ please mark it if this is your first time here please mark it if it's you have a prayer request please mark it because we want to get to know you better that's the only reason we're not coming to you in any way uh, to try to invade your privacy but we just want to get to know you better. And those of you that are worshiping online, if you would like to just send us a text or a word uh, of a decision that you made, we would love to get to know you better. So as we give our offering today, as the basket comes by, let's give as unto the Lord and just pray God's will be done. One last thing I'll pray, and we'll take the offering. You remember last week I asked you what gift will you bring to God this Christmas? I want you to think about that. Then I ask you what gift will you give to your family of spiritual significance? We can do that in East or at uh, the Christmas time. But I also ask you what gift would you give to your neighbors? of a spiritual significance. I want us as a church this week to focus on our neighbors. What gift of spiritual significance? It might be a cookie with a Christmas card. It might be a Bible. It might be a Lincoln Brewster CD. Whatever. Let's do something for the neighbors God lays on your heart this week. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege of being a part of this service. Thank you for our dear, wonderful colleague and friend, Dr. David Harris. Thank you for all of those who are serving to make this church what you would have it to be. And once again, we lift our dear friend Malcolm White to you and pray for his healing and full and complete restoration bless this people as they give lord help them to understand that giving is not an obligation but giving is a privilege because when we give to you you give back to us and so lord i pray that you will take this time of our worship and bless this offering in jesus name amen is serving as our ushers, and we appreciate it. We stand together, and Kelly Miller, who is taking care of our coffee and our, our uh, cookies, has donuts over there today. And I would just encourage you, Kelly, I don't know if you can hear me, but you can open up the inside uh, door if you'd like to, or someone could run and tell her that. And just take a few moments to fellowship with someone. Last week was so good. Find somebody you don't know. Find somebody you do know. Have a cup of coffee. Eat a a donut, will it ruin your meal? Well, it's all right, you might be too full after your meal to eat a donut. So eat it first, and so it'll be okay. Let's all say praise God. Let's give Him a great clap offering today. Let's all say together, thank you, David Harris. Thank you, David Harris. Say it together with me. Thank you, David Harris, for coming to minister to us today. God bless you. You are dismissed. May the Lord honor you this Christmas week.